Well, good evening. We are so glad that you have joined us tonight for our Wednesday evening Bible class. It's, it's good that three of, the three of us can be back together again this evening. Uh, and tonight we're going to start a new study with one another on 1 John. There was a little bit of discussion amongst us about what we wanted to proceed with next because, frankly, we don't know how long we're going to be doing it in this format. And so we thought we'd spend some time just kind of uh, picking apart a, a different letter of the Bible. And so we decided we would begin with 1 John. Now, just to give you a little bit of background on 1 John, of course, it's, it's written by the Apostle John, one of the sons of Zebedee, who also wrote the Gospel according to John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John in Revelation. Um, and even though it's a letter, though, it's, I think it's kind of interesting to point out it, it doesn't have an opening or closing remarks uh, the way a lot of Paul's letters had. So that's just something interesting to, to point out. Um, and what you really see here in John's letter is he's, he's writing not so much about persecution from without as he is writing to those who are under attack from within. And the attack from within is really a result of what Jesus had prophesied about. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 11, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. So the problem that they're going through isn't a problem of those trying to destroy Christianity the way that the Romans had tried to. But rather, here you have people who they mean well in their minds. Uh, they're just trying to improve Christianity. They're trying to make uh, Christianity mesh with a lot of the contemporary philosophies uh, of that day. They were known as Gnostics, and, and they believed in something called Gnosticism. And basically their core belief was that the spirit was good, but anything material, anything that was matter, it was all evil. And so there was a big conflict with them then that they couldn't resolve the idea of the incarnation of Jesus. Um, for example, they knew Jesus was spirit, being the son of God. That's a good thing, but he can't surely then be flesh, you know, and dwell among us because the flesh is evil. And so they, they found that to be a very difficult thing to, to resolve amongst them. Um, one thing uh, that we see in John's letter, he, he's talking a lot about things that the Gnostics were bringing to the forefront, uh, but they regarded themselves as a very spiritual-minded people, mm -hmm. uh, very, very deep in their beliefs. They, they believed that all material things were evil, and so they worked really hard to separate themselves from material things so that their spirit could be elevated, and they really believed so deeply that they believed they were without sin, you know, and, and that they were above sin and had reached some level of perfection. And if you kind of keep that in mind, it makes 1 John 1, 8 through 10, uh, that John writes that we're all very familiar with, makes it make a lot more sense to us. Um, we'll get to that verse, though, in, in a moment. So uh, as we begin, do you guys have any thoughts on Gnosticism? Yeah, just that I don't know an incredible amount about them. Uh, I did learn some in a, a course that I took. Um, but, like, but like you said, they have a hard time separating the physical and the spiritual around. Well, no, they they didn't have a hard time separating it. They had a hard time reconciling that Jesus was a man. Uh, so some of them thought, like you said, that he was just always spiritual being, mm -hmm. never physical. Uh, and then some believe that while Jesus may have been a physical man, 
he only became divine at one portion of his life, and he was baptized, and then that divine nature left him before he was crucified. Yeah. Therefore, you know, the spiritual, the deity part of him couldn't have died, right? right. And they had a hard time kind of reconciling that, and which is so counter to what us as, as New Testament Christians that we believe about Jesus, right? Being both fully God and fully man. Um, yeah, they, it's an interesting... Um, um, belief system uh, and I can see when you start looking at some of their beliefs you can see why it would have been confusing to the first century mm -hmm. church uh, they believed they were Christians they had the same kind of somewhat core beliefs that even we do today about God and about Jesus a lot of the details were different though uh, for instance God was very unreachable God to them did not create earth because earth was evil because uh, it was physical a lesser god created earth but in the same way that we feel like we uh, that god wants to have a, a relationship with us to them god was unreachable he was too too perfect too pure to um for us to have anything to do with him uh, but yet we were to them parts of him and part of their idea of salvation was returning to him mm -hmm. Uh, and so there, there's a lot of kind of similarities to their beliefs in the sense of the overall kind of God and getting back to God and having salvation and believing in Jesus. But a lot of the details were wildly different. And in the first century church, you can definitely see how easy it would have been for someone who was coming in to the knowledge of, of Jesus and who he was to be confused by these other guys that were teaching these other very wildly different, but in the same way, kind of similar ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, then let's just begin then in First John chapter 1. Uh, Justin, would you mind reading verses 1 through 4 for us? Yeah. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. All right, so again, John is beginning his letter here by saying, you know what? We've touched it. <laughs> mm. We've seen him. We've touched him. I was there. I was there. Mm. Yeah, I, not just an eyewitness to it, but I, I touched the, the physical Jesus. And so you're seeing this tie-in then uh, from the very beginning of this letter uh, of trying to help them understand who Jesus is. Um, there are a lot of things that we could dissect in this passage, but what I want us to kind of focus our attention on for a moment is, is that word and the idea of fellowship um, there toward the, the end, John wrote, um, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, interestingly enough, well, for whatever the reason, uh, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John never used this same word, the same Greek word for fellowship in the gospel according to John. But saying that, no doubt the, the idea of it is all over the place. Uh, you know, when you think of fellowship, I think you see the idea 
Uh, as you see Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I think you can see the idea of it when Jesus tells the parable of the vine and the branches. I think you can hear it, you know, when Jesus is even praying for his disciples uh, there in John 17. Uh, Jesus said in, in John 14 and verse 23, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Sometimes when we use the word fellowship, we may think of it kind of like fellowship meal and we think about eating together and, and we kind of throw it around unintentionally, but kind of flippantly, you know, mm -hmm. but truly biblical fellowship is a very heavy thing. Uh, because we are, are so blessed to have this fellowship with one another as a result of our obedience to the Father. Uh, so, so again, it's, a, it's not something that we should take lightly. Um, so what should our fellowship, just kind of on a daily basis, I guess, what, what does that look like? Well, the word fellowship in 1 John comes from koinonia, mm -hmm. uh, the Greek word koinonia, which means common. The idea is having all things in common. Uh, so especially for us today in the present day, I, I would think that, you know, like you said, we use that word fellowship. And I think we understand kind of what the fellowship means is that we're together and we use it in the term of, with the times the church comes together kind of mm -hmm. usually outside of worship is usually what we kind of refer to. Uh, but really that fellowship, having all things in common would mean that our lives are just intertwined mm -hmm. with each other. Yeah. that we have all things in common, that we all deeply care about each other, that we're involved with each other's lives, that we're there for each other. It's that just that connection. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and of course, you know, uh, what John is saying here is that w with, with our fellowship with Christ, we, because of that, we have fellowship with one another. So it's that connection to Christ that connects us all. Right. So uh, it's that, just that intertwining of our lives is the way I yeah. see what fellowship would mean. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, reading this verse, um, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, I think. Um, the basis of our fellowship, like you said, is it's our relationship with God mm -hmm. and our relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, when I think of fellowship, one of the words I kind of correlate with that often is community, mm -hmm, the kind of mm -hmm. community that we have with each other and the kind of community that we build. Mm -hmm. And you can find all kinds of communities out in the world. You can find a, a community for woodworking. You can find a community for online retail shopping. You right. can find <laughs> all kinds of community for whatever you want to find. But what makes Christianity special is we are a community who are united in our faith. Um, and not only united in what we believe, but also united in how do we act because of what we believe mm -hmm. and how do we interact with each other because right. of what we believe? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things we can have in common. Yeah. You know, whether right. it's based on, like you said, on woodworking or maybe it's on a sports allegiance that we have. Like we can have a lot of things in common, but none of them are this deep. Mm. None of them, or hopefully, <laughs> none of them should run as deep as this thing that we have in common, which is our relationship with Christ, you mm -hmm. know, and, and again, our obedience to God and to his word and, and living our life with one another, like-minded, you mm -hmm. know, that we mm -hmm. all have the same goal. We, we want to live our, our lives in the same way. Uh, it's, a, it's a special thing. And that's the standard too. That's like, you know, you, you don't have to have a certain amount of money. You don't have right. to have a certain amount of status. Right. You don't have to come from a certain family. It's, right. 
it's the only standard is, do you believe you know, in God? Do you believe in Jesus? Is right. that what you, and if that's what unites us, then it doesn't matter what your yeah. background yeah. is. And it's beautiful because, it and I remember, we've talked about this in the past Bible study, um, but I remember the first time that I think it hit me when I was a youth minister and I was working with the, the young people. We were coming back from a trip and, and seeing them interact with each other, we stopped to eat somewhere. And just seeing them all around one table interacting with each other and thinking about how drastically different places they all come from, mm-hmm. lives that they live, you know, status, mm-hmm. uh, wh- whatever. Just seeing how different they were all, they all were, but able to really enjoy each other yeah. and, uh, and, and like each other, yeah. you know, uh, and to see how drastically different that is from um, outside the church. Sure. You don't you usually see clumps of people together that are very similar together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with, with that connection that we have through Christ, we have all walks of life. Mm-hmm. And that, that diversity that you see is a very beautiful thing. It is. I, I was reminded of it this past Sunday. You know, seeing everybody who was able to come and be a part of worship and, and seeing that joy, even in even with social distancing, you know, being in place, mm-hmm. you still saw a joy of being together and, and seeing each other. Sometimes, you know, sometimes people were catching up for the first time in two and three months, mm-hmm. you know, and that was such a, a cool thing to see. And, and what an awesome reminder it is of of this bond that we have in our fellowship with one another. Um it's powerful, mm-hmm. and and again, it's something that it shouldn't be taken lightly. And I and I, I'm afraid sometimes we do probably we're just too flippant with it, you know. Mm-hmm. We say, well, that's our fellowship hall, or we're going to have right. a fellowship meal, and and we just we and not that those terms are wrong, right? You know, they're they're fine, mm-hmm. but we just forget in the moment how powerful uh, and mm-hmm. what it is that God has established for us to have. You know, mm-hmm. this just this community, like Justin mentioned, this fellowship that we have with each other. Man, what a tremendous blessing that is mm-hmm. uh, through Christ. And we're very blessed to have it. Um, well, all right, let's move on now. Uh, and, and Dave, would you read verses 5 through 10 for us? Sure. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You know, I don't know that there are many uh, passages in Scripture that are probably referred to. Uh, as often as this one. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of times as preachers and Bible class teachers, man, we go back to this passage for a lot of points mm-hmm. uh, because there is just so much here and, and such a precious assurance, you know, that's found here. Um, when we think about or we hear people talk about walking in the light and what an amazing thing that that is, what is that? I mean, what does it mean to walk in the light? So I first want to point out something he says before he even goes into that. Um, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. I like how he establishes the authority. Mm-hmm. Um, he just got done kind of answering how he was there. He was an eyewitness. He was with Jesus. And now he's saying, and this is what he says. Yeah. 
not what I say. I'm just delivering the message. Um, I really like that how he introduces yeah. this to them that way. Um, but as far as walking in the light, uh, and as far as this passage, I, I refer to this passage a lot. This is a, a, a very powerful passage. Mm-hmm. And it answers a lot of questions what we have when, we, when we're dealing with our confidence and where we stand with God. Sure. And um, our own struggles with sin right, and grace. And, right. Yeah. And, you know, as far as walking in the light goes, I think that if I had to just give kind of a um, textbook, easy definition, mm-hmm. I would say living an obedient life where you're genuinely trying. Mm-hmm. That, that you're pleasing God, serving God, uh, that is your top priority. And you fail, you mess up, you know, because we all, we all do. Um, and that's what this passage is, is really, it addresses. Um, but walking the light to me would be living a life of, of obedience where your priority is God. And, e- and even though sometimes those things can slip and you can mess up, you, you, you're willing to get right back on your feet and keep going forward. Mm. One of the uh, best, I like your textbook definition, by the way, uh, and one of the best illustrations that I ever heard that kind of made it uh, visual for me was the idea of walking, you're walking on a path, and Satan has just, he just has buckets of dirt uh, that he's throwing on you all the time. Temptation, sin, you know, he's just, he's caking you. Uh, well, if you are walking in the light, you take a kind of step to the side, and, and God's over there with like a garden hose. And mm-hmm. he is just continually <laughs> washing you clean uh, of all of the dirt and the filth that is sin. And as long as you stay in line with that garden hose, you're constantly going to be cleansed. Mm-hmm. But the moment that you ch- choose to step out of the line of that garden hose, all of a sudden Satan's, he's got you again, you know? I've never heard that illustration, yeah. but I like it. I, yeah. <laughs> I like simple. Yeah. <laughs> Just stay, walk towards the garden hose. Yeah, stay in the garden hose. That's right. <laughs> and that's all. That's all we have. <laughs> Well, what, what then is the end result then if we don't walk in the light? Um, well, going back to your illustration, uh, choosing to get out of the path of the garden hose yeah. uh, is rebellion. It is. It's rebellion mm-hmm. against God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a, you know, you, your phrase was you chose to get off right. the path of the garden hose. It's right. one thing to slip and fall, Absolutely. you know, and to... Oh no, I'm out of the path of the garden. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's different when there's a there's a choice that Absolutely. is made, and that is the choice of I am rebelling against right. uh, what I know to be truth and what I know that God is, has uh, established. Mm-hmm. Um, so the consequence is that what it was? What's the it was. Yeah. What's the consequence? Uh, is is I'm now in direct opposition of God. Right. And what happens to people who are in direct opposition of God? Uh, well, if they don't. Correct, course correct. Um, the the ultimate end result is they'll be judged for that, right? Um, and they will be judged for their rebellion, um, and they will be put in a place where people who uh, rebel from God go. Um, so the end result is uh, the ultimate separation right. from God, and that is torment in hell for Absolutely. eternity, um, which is uh, none of us want that. None of us want that. No. It's, a, it's a tragic end. It is. Um, so I, I, I guess maybe the simplest way to answer it is 
it's tragedy. It is. The result of uh, choosing to get off the path of light is tragedy. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know, when we have those moments, because we do have those moments twofold where sometimes it is just a mistake. We're not really thinking about it. We are still walking in the light, but we still commit sin because we're not perfect. But then we also have those moments where we consciously decide, mm-hmm. you know what? I just don't care right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we rebel, you know, and we step step out of line with the garden hose, you know. And at that point, we are back walking a very broad path uh, that is in line with Satan at that point. So what John then tells us is he, he gives us a very big two-letter word uh, as he says, if. So he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even in those moments when I find myself that I, I have stepped out of line with the will of God, John says, listen, if you'll make it right, if, you know, if you'll just confess your sins, then God is faithful. In other words, he promises. God promises that he will forgive us of all of our sins and he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And man, what a, a powerful thing that is and what assurance that brings. Now, even though we know that, are we as quick to repent? Because that's what that is there. If we confess our sins, it's a repentance. Are we as quick to repent as we should be? And I would dare say a lot of times we're not. Uh, Obviously, I can't answer for everybody, but we probably more times than not aren't. So why not? What what is it that keeps us from repentance? I know in times of my life where I feel like where I have been in rebellion and, and and knowing that I'm off the path and... What has kept me from getting back onto the path is hurt. Mm. And knowing that in order for me to get back on the path, I'm going to have to address some things in my life. Sure. I got to change. I got to change. Yeah. Um, And sometimes it's easier for us to just stay off the path and be numb to uh, whatever the ways of the world are, you know, because I know, well, the second that I decide to change, while I might even know it's going to be better for me in the long run, Mm -hmm. there's going to be confrontation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... I'm gonna have to make some changes and I'm selfish and I don't wanna make those changes. So mm-hmm. a lot of times what keeps people from repentance is, is pain mm-hmm. and not wanting to go through pain even though they know that after that pain right. is, it's great, is great the promise. greatness. Yeah. Yeah. I would add to um, pride. Mm-hmm. I think that just using the illustration that John's using here with light and darkness, uh, what does light do? It exposes. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy to hide in the dark. Yeah. And we don't want to own up to the things that we've done. We would rather hide them, and we're too ashamed Mm -hmm. to uh, come forward and be honest about it. And so it's a lot easier to just kind of hide in the dark. Mm -hmm. And that pride keeps us from true repentance, or repentance at all. I mean, Uh, And I think, Dave, you hit on another word there, because no doubt pride does, and pain both, pain and hurt. Uh, But you also said shame. And I kind of feel like that's almost a third category sometimes where, where mm-hmm. sometimes we can feel so shameful. We can feel so mm-hmm. guilty of whatever it is that we've done. That we just don't feel worthy. Yeah. You know, we don't feel worthy of the forgiveness that God offers us. We don't feel like we can even forgive ourselves, right. let alone really accept the fact God forgives us. 
Yeah. And so we just continue down a very destructive path. Yeah, there have been times in my life where I have felt so guilty over a situation or something that I have done that I feel so guilty to even, uh, I don't feel uh, worthy of even approaching God about that. Yeah. Even asking for forgiveness. And that shame can keep us, if we allow us, to keep us from ever doing that. Yeah. You know, over and over again throughout the New Testament, uh, Christians are told to confess your sins to one another. Right. Um, and this and this goes back even to our earlier conversation about being in community, and part of being in that community is I feel comfortable enough to confess my sins to one. I think a, a huge part of us confessing our sins to other people is so that if I come to Dave and I tell Dave something that I've done wrong and I feel sorry for it, Dave can then throw his arm around me and say, mm-hmm. hey, I've been there too. Right. And... It's 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 terrible to be there, mm-hmm. but I want to help you, and that that helps so much with things like guilt, mm-hmm. and that's something that I think really we don't appreciate enough in our Christian community today is how much uh, healing mm-hmm. is the result of confessing mm-hmm. to one another, and not necessarily, you know, there's definitely times where we go before the congregation and confess our sins, but I'm talking more on the on the level of I'm willing to go to my brothers and sisters, maybe one on one or in my small group, whatever, and be willing to share with them in that moment. Um, Because, man, there is so much healing that comes. And I think that New Testament writers, when they wrote this inspired by the Holy Scripture. Yeah, and it it really, it all fits together really well because that's true fellowship. Mm -hmm. Going back to the word koinonia is all things in common. Right. All things in common. Even the ugly things. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because we all do share, again, while we may not share the specific sin challenges or you know we all struggle with different things yes but the bottom line is it's sin yeah you know Mm -hmm. and so that we also have in common right you know is that struggle with sin and and making sure that we're living our life in a way that is in accordance with the will of god so that we can continue to have this fellowship with each other you know and with Mm -hmm. him uh and what a beautiful thing it is to know that even when we struggle god doesn't just throw us away you know, that He will continually forgive us and continually cleanse us, and we can continue to walk in the light. And yeah. that's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, so, so very rewarding in my mind mm-hmm. um, because it is so easy to feel like you're alone, and it's so easy to kind of get in your own head and feel like nobody cares and I don't care, and you just quit. Yeah. You know, you quit on yourself, you quit on your spiritual life, maybe you quit on your fellowship, you know, with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, boy, boy, what a blessing it is. I hear that we see to, to know we have this assurance if we walk in the light. Mm. Well, I think this will probably just about wrap up our study on 1 John chapter 1. Lord willing, we'll pick up on chapter 2 next week. Go ahead and read that in advance if you would like. Uh, if you were able to be with us this past Sunday for our Sunday morning worship, Man, it was awesome. Uh, I'm so glad you are able to be there. If you weren't, we're going to be assembling again this Sunday at 1030. Yes, with social distancing in place. Uh, but still, even with that, it was so great to be together. And mm-hmm. it's so great to hear voices blending together in song and to hear people talking and, and all those things that sometimes uh, you take for granted, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what an awesome and wonderful thing that was. So as we get ready to close, I'm going to ask Justin if he would lead us in a word of prayer. Yeah, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thankful for this time that we have together, this time to open up your word. Father, we're so thankful for uh, the Holy Scriptures, Father, for the truths that they present to us. And I pray that, that as we study them, that we study them with an open heart and an open mind. And 
willing to let you speak to us through them and willing to be obedient uh, to the truths that we find in your scriptures, Father. Um, God, we're thankful for our community, for our congregation here at Rainbow, for uh, the Christians that make up this congregation. I pray that each one of us can, uh, can look at our body, can look at our congregation and, and feel a part of it and be willing to contribute to it. Father, because there are so many blessings that come with being part of a faith family, and we're thankful mm -hmm. for all the ways that you uh, bless our congregation here at Rainbow. Uh, Fathers, we've talked about walking in the light. I pray that, uh, that each one of us can strive to do that each and every day, and that each one of us can feel uh, convicted when we are not in the light, and that we can uh, feel your uh, forgiveness and love uh, and, and let those things lead us to repentance when we do fall short. Father, we're thankful that, uh, that you love us and that you sent your son here. Um, it's because of him that we have forgiveness. It's because of him that we have this community. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.